Our Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Then our New Testament reading is from John chapter 10, verses 11 through 18. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore, my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. Amen. Thank you, sweetheart. Just give us a second here to readjust a little bit. There we go. All right. Um, as I said, if you have prayer requests during the message, um, you can type them in here, and we'll pray for those at the end. Uh, but let's let's look at the twenty third Psalm. If any passage of Scripture would be something that everybody knows, um, I had a comment about this little decoration behind me, looking like a crown. So I'm trying to move so it doesn't look like a funny headpiece. Um, is Psalm twenty three? Anybody who knows anything in our Christian culture or our Christian West would know something about the 23rd Psalm. So we're looking at the 23rd Psalm today. And if you look at the blackboard behind me, you'll see a little sheep that um, Amy made for us. And it's been delightful to get a few little things from our grandchildren. And that was one of the things that she sent us. So that's going to help with the decoration today. Uh, now for our, our um, Team Timothy lads, anybody else, the, not just them, anybody who wants to try to keep track of the seven things that Jesus does for the sheep, um, it ought to be easy. We came up with a visual. Mary Grammy came up with a visual for it. So it ought to be easy enough to do it. If you keep track of all seven of those, send me a picture of your notes or mom or dad can put them in WhatsApp. Um, We'll come up with some kind of treat when we get back together again and when I can get it delivered. I think I'm going to finally get the last of the Easter egg, um, resurrection egg gifts given out uh, this week. So um, keep track and we'll do something special for you. There at the end. Psalm 23. Uh, Mary just read it to you, so I'm not going to read the passage again. We'll look. You know what? Maybe I will, because we're getting ready to look at the preaching of it now. Uh, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I wish I could read as eloquently as she does. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, let's have a quick word of prayer. Um, I do want to mention a, a, a prayer request. Pray for the family of a very dear pastor friend of mine, um, Linton Osorabu. Um, he passed away this week. I know no more details, but he was such a sweet, godly, meek, humble man of God. And he'll be missed um, by his family and his friends and his church. And anybody know him. So we're going to pray for his family. And the rest of the prayer request we'll take at the end. Father, I thank you for the chance to be together this morning. Lord, every time we do this now, Lord, I think we're five or six weeks into this now. I'm glad for the opportunity. But at the same time, I so much miss us being together. One of the joys of preaching is watching the Holy Spirit work on the hearts of the people you're preaching to. And I don't get that advantage at this time. Lord, we have the fellowship together, we have the singing, we have the banter and all that that we're missing this way. But praise God you've given us this opportunity. Lord, I pray for Linton's family. Lord, as they deal with his death this week, please give them comfort. Bless his church. Bless his friends. Lord, I know he has a huge number of Christian friends in this country. Lord, and I know we can't even think about going to his funeral because of this stuff, Lord. But please comfort his family. Thank you for his testimony and the hearts and lives he reached through his life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, Psalm 23. We're going we're to look ba- pretty basically. We're going to look at what the, what the Good Shepherd does. Uh, we may reference the chapter that Mary read in John chapter 10. We'll see how it goes. But the first thing, the, the, the verse starts out says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And even before we get to the first point, I love the fact that this verse says, The Lord is my shepherd. It doesn't just say that he is a shepherd. It doesn't say that he is the capital T-H-E, the shepherd. It says that he is my shepherd. Capital M, capital Y, the Lord is my shepherd. He personalized it. He's my shepherd for a couple of reasons. He's my shepherd, first of all, because he created me. He gave me life. He allowed me, goodness, nearly 65 years ago to be born in a military hospital in Fairbanks, Alaska. He gave me life. Uh, He sustained me through life. He's taken care of me. He's brought me through illnesses and operations. He's given me the life I have today, the wonderful family I have. He made me. So he's, I'm his. He's my shepherd because he made me. But secondly, he's my shepherd because he possesses me. He paid the price for my soul. He, 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 he took care of me. He paid the price for my sin. And he made me one of his own. And because he's my shepherd, the Bible tells me that he intercedes for me in heaven day after day after day. Without his care, we'd be wandering aimlessly through this life without his direction. I love the Wicklow Gap. Um, I love the Sally Gap. I love any of the mountains where the, where the sheep range freely. And you watch them wandering all over the place. And um, 
sometimes that, that they've been doing that for centuries. I'm not even sure how the shepherds take care of them, but they wander ate well, they wander all over the fields, and and somewhere there's a shepherd, even as they're wandering, even as they're walking across those marvelous hills, who takes care of them. So the Lord is my shepherd, and the Lord. The first thing we have, it says, um, so he is the Lord is my shepherd. He provides for me. He provides my daily life. So the first word, there it is. The first word is that Jesus provides for me. He takes care of my needs. Now we're going to look at this word a little bit more detail later, but I wanted to point get this one first because the Lord is my shepherd. And there are a lot of things he gives us. Now the rest of these are going to be a part of his provision. So he provides for us. And the, the next six points are going to be things that he provides, okay? Um, so Jesus provides for me. My shepherd provides for me in verses 1, 2, and 3. Now, secondly, we find out, um, verse 2 says, He makes me lie, I shall not want. So he provides for me, but he also satisfies me. He provides satisfaction for me. He satisfies my needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, pardon me if I get distracted. I'm not used to using visuals this way. But the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He satisfies my needs. The Bible, the old King James says here, I shall not want. That's a fascinating English word. It says, what it literally means is, I shall not lack. I am not going to want for anything that's important to me. Does that mean I'm never going to be hungry? No, I've been hungry a few times. Does that mean that I am never going to have a problem? No, we all have problems. Does that mean I'm ever going to have to struggle to pay a bill? No, those things happen. But it does mean that I will not want for a lack of his provisions. He is my shepherd. He provides for me. He provides satisfaction as a part of his provision. Um, The prosperity gospel, some guys out there are preaching that uh, want means that whatever I want, Jesus is going to give me. If I give a big enough offering and I give a big enough blessing and I pray right, that God is going to give me whatever I want. But folks, that's just not the way it is. That's not loving. That wouldn't be caring if he did that. He satisfies my needs. He satisfies my wants. And when you read about, Mary read this morning about the hireling, the hired sheep, who the, the verse says, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and he does not care about the sheep. So when there's trouble, a, a hired shepherd is going to run like crazy to get away from me. They don't worry about the, the problems of the sheep. Um, years and years ago, I had my one day's experience of helping with shepherding. We had friends out in the county here and they were getting ready to move their sheep from the summer field to the watering shed or the wintering shed. And they asked me if I'd like to come and I said, Sure I would. I'd like to have a little bit of experience being a shepherd. And I went out with this family, and I I remember it so clearly. And I've seen videos this week, I think, somebody removing the sheep. A little two-year-old was moving the sheep with no trouble at all because he was part of the shepherd's family. And I said, what can I do? And I wanted to do something exciting. And all I could do was stand there and tell the sheep where not to go. But you know what? If those sheep had come at me, I would have run like crazy. They weren't my sheep. I wouldn't have worried about keeping them out of that field if they'd scared me. 
That's what a hireling does. They weren't my sheep, but Jesus is my shepherd. The Bible says the shepherd provides for me. The Bible says he also sustains me and carries sustains me and carries me through and meets my needs. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. The next point is that Jesus allows us, as our shepherd, he gives the sheep rest. He gives me rest. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He takes care of me. Um, we, sheep need leading. They, uh, uh, our shepherd leads. It says has had us. Um, no, I'm still on rest. I'm sorry. I'm jumping ahead here. I'm trying to get the visuals done, and it's confusing me. So bear with me. I was talking to somebody this week about one of the things about our church is that the pastor messes up. He says the wrong words, and uh, and and so if I get confused, bear with me. Understand what's going on here. So um, he, he he allows us rest. Now sheep, from what I've read and from what I've read in different books about shepherding, sheep are not going to rest if they're afraid. They're very fearful animals. And the only way that we can find rest is if we're not afraid. Uh, I remember the dog before we have now. I remember Jingo before Jasper came along. Jasper is a whole different personality. But my goodness, if Jingo were, became afraid, we were walking along calmly and peacefully, that dog was terrified. He had a doggy friend named Cosmo, who um, is one of Jasper's friends today, and he was terrified of Cosmo. If we happened to see Susan and, and her dog Cosmo, Jasper, no matter, you, Jingo, you could do nothing about him. He, he ran, he just split for home. Interesting story. After we, got, after we lost Jingo and Jasper came along, Susan and, ja- and Cosmo walked up and Cosmo saw me. And he thought, ah, that's just Jingo. And he ran up to Jing- Jasper and he started barking at Jasper. And Jasper turned around and hair on the back of his neck stood up and he barked and, Co- and Cosmo went, went running. Doesn't really fit to the, just, I don't know, that was a silly little story. But sheep don't rest unless they feel safe. They don't rest if they're afraid we started the whole thing. The last message I preached at the GAA was from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that we tell God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind, of a disciplined mind. <clears throat> and that's what God gives us. We need not be afraid. So we need to be sure that God makes us to lie down in green pastures. Sheep also don't get along. They won't rest if there's friction among them. They need to have contentment. They need to have, they need to be safe. They won't sleep unless they're free of pests and irritants and aggravations. And that's the purpose of the anointing oil here is to get rid of these things in their lives. And, and just like that, we're not going to rest if we have things bothering us. The things that bug us, they can't rest if they're free from hunger. So God, so the shepherd meets their needs. Um, it says we can lie down in green pastures. I preached, I think, a couple weeks ago where I mentioned the verse that says, I laid me down and slept. I awoke because the Lord sustained me. We have the sustaining power of God in our lives. We have the provision of God. He we, He sustains us. He allows us to rest in peace. That picture is beautiful, isn't it? That's mostly the picture you see of Psalm 23. It's a picture of David playing his harp and the sheep. There's a stream rolling by. There's still a, a quietly moving stream. 
um, very still, not not rambunctious. It's not flowing in over, so the sheep are uncomfortable. They're all lying down in this green field, and that's what God wants us to do. Even during times like this, even during times that can be so scary. And you know, I don't know about you, but it seems like I just get myself accustomed to this. Sometimes it seems like I just get myself used to this where I'm doing okay. And then in the middle of the night, Satan, bam, throws a thought into my head about this or that. What's going to happen to this? What's going to happen to that? And all of a sudden, I'm in turmoil again. But I need not do that. If I really trusted my shepherd, I'd lay there and rest just like those sheep do. And goodness, just oh, that the Lord would give us that grace and give us the power to rest like those sheep. Beautiful image. Peaceful setting. Sheep resting alongside a peaceful stream in green grass without fear, without frustration, without irritation, and without hunger. As we drop as we drop down to verse four, we see the next thing. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And I think we need to learn here is that God the shepherd is led by the sheep. So the good shepherd leads his sheep, and our Jesus, as our good shepherd, will lead us in the right direction. He leads beside those still waters we just talked about. He'll guide us in the right direction if we'll let him. My problem is, and I don't know about you, I don't make a very good sheep. I love the kids' song. I want to, how does it go? I want, I just to, want to be. I just want to be a sheep, Bob, 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 Bob. I just want to be a sheep, Bob. I don't make a very good sheep. I don't like to be directed. I get frustrated when somebody tries to tell me what to do. I just don't like it. I understand the guards need to be out there checking on people's travel. But you know what? I don't like it when they stop me and ask me where I'm going. My first inclination wants to be, it's none of your business where I'm going. I don't follow well. But the Bible tells us here that Jesus will lead us beside the still waters. He'll provide the sustenance we need. He'll lead us to the right place. He knows where the where the still the, the calm waters are. He knows where the grass is. He knows where all that is for us. But how does he lead? I have to jump back up to verse three for this. He leads in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, unlike going after the still waters he gives us which are a picture of his, of his righteousness. We often don't want to follow his path. We often want to follow unrighteous paths. We have a sinful thought in our minds. We have a sinful desire. We have a fleshly something that we can't deal with. And yet we are, he leads us down the righteous paths. Guys, we need to be get used to following him down the righteous path. Now more than ever, I'm reading a book about that um, Daniel Defoe, the guy who wrote Robinson Crusoe, wrote back during the after the during the plague of London, and he was talking about the fact that during times like this, and I saw a quote by Charles Spurgeon during the cholera outbreak in the 1850s, 1840s, and 1850s. They, they both, and people who've written about these crisis times have often said that people tend to seek God during trying times. They're looking for the path of righteousness because they wake up and they realize, I'm mortal. I'm human. My life is, is, is not all I want it to be. And they're seeking a right path. And it's been such a blessing to talk to people and be able to share my testimony and how God leads us through these times. But my problem is, 
I have a list of things here. Instead of loving self, so, now the goal is instead of loving me, which is what I want, my righteousness should lead me to love others. Instead of being part of the crowd who is full of fear and trepidation, I need to stand alone and be a, a light to the world around me. As I wash my hands to be, do the right thing, I need to be shining a light for those around me. Instead of sis- insisting on my rights and I can have this and I can have that, we need to be willing to forego those rights in order to please God. Instead of being the boss, this is the hardest one for me to say, instead of being the boss, I need to be willing to submit. Roger Perrow, yes, even Roger Perrow needs to be willing to submit. And those who have known me for years know that is is not the norm for me. But instead of being boss, I need to be willing to submit. Instead of saying why and why not, the righteous thing to do is accept the circumstances where God has put me. Paul said, I learned wherever I am, whatever state I'm in, to be content. Instead of my will, I submit to his. Instead of my way, I will go God's way. He knows how to lead me. I just need to trust his leadership. I need to be that sheep. I often use talking about political issues, the notion of people being sheeple because they blindly follow. You know what? There are some areas where I need to learn the lesson of blindly following him. He'll lead me to the right place. He'll lead down the paths of righteousness. He'll lead to those still waters. He'll lead to that peaceful green pasture if, if I trust him. <coughs> Next thing is, is that Jesus the shepherd restores his sheep. Jesus restores us. And I got, by the way, I got to thank Mary for my visuals this morning. She did for me on last minute notice. Aren't they lovely? Um, he restores us. He puts us back where we are. There are days when we just don't feel like we can go on anymore. Um, he was the, but yet Psalm 23 says in verse 3 again, He restores my soul. I don't know why I got these all confused like this. They're all kind of jumping around. But you're getting the message anyway. Okay? He restores my soul. There are times when I just don't feel like I can go on anymore. It's driving me nuts. I don't, I don't understand why things are going the way they're going. And I, I, sometimes this thing is just drags on and drags on. And I'm sitting here wistfully looking forward to May the 5th, even though I know that's not going to be a magic day. It's not going to happen. But I'm wistfully looking forward to some relief from this lockdown. And my soul can get heavy. And my soul can get depressed. But he restores my soul. He picks me back up and moves me where I need to be. And even when I can't find restoration on my own, I can depend on Jesus to restore me. Um, I saw a video one time uh, about a shepherd and his sheep. And the sheep had fallen over on its back. And I guess um, if sheep fall on their back, there's nothing they can do. They'll die on their back unless somebody restores them. And the picture was of a, of a literal picture of a mama sheep had been had fallen over and she could not get up. And the shepherd came out and he restored her back to her place. He put her back where she was supposed to be. And that's what God does for us. I love this picture of restoration. Oh my goodness, and it's my hope for the future. There's people in my life and people that I love deeply and with all my heart and all my soul and who I shed tears over who need (coughs) to be restored to fellowship with Christ. They wander and they go on their way and all they, they need to be restored. And yet here we have the, blo- the wonderful knowledge that Jesus restores those who have wandered from him.
need to pray for restoration for those who've fallen away. It's so easy to be critical. It's so easy to condemn them for their lives and their actions. But we need to be sure that we pray for the restoration of people we love. I have a friend that I meet occasionally, um, and, and I have so many wonderful spiritual conversations on my walks. Um, people know that they need to be restored to God. It's a gift that God gave us at creation and somewhere deep in our hearts. But the Bible says the Lord has given us a knowledge of eternity in our hearts. It's there. And people deep down, no matter how much they refuse it, no matter how much they kick against the goads, there's a desire to be restored to fellowship with God. And the shepherd will restore his sheep. Then we also have the shepherd who will who protects us. The shepherd will protect us. And that comes down to verse 4 and 5. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thou, you, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. We have the protecting power of God. And this verse tells us, um, they tell us that even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not the valley of death, it's the valley of the shadow of death. This doesn't mean we're dying, but sometimes it feels like we're dying, and sometimes life can get downright scary. Not just for kids. And I, man, I feel, you know what? It breaks my heart to hear my grandchildren talk about the COVID virus. Four years old, and they're talking about five years old, six years old. They shouldn't be talking about the COVID virus, but it's there. And, and they're hearing about this, and they're just kids. I'm just grateful that they're innocent enough. They don't know enough to be afraid. But you know what? The Bible tells us here that God, Jesus, will protect us through the valley of the shadow of death. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Valleys can be deep and dark. Hollywood appreciate this. We were staying in um, a small town in West Virginia one time, and the house was way, way down in the bottom of a holler. Um, I think the proper English phrase is a hollow, but in West Virginia, they're definitely a holler. And we were staying down in this bottom of a holler, and we were there for two or three days. And there were days, I mean, it seemed like because we were so, a holler is like a deep depression in between two mountains. And there may be a stream down the middle of it. There may be a, ro- a road on one side and some houses built down in the holler. It was the middle of summer, but it was dark. Only for about two hours did the sun peak over, come over this mountain and set about this mountain from about 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock was the only time you had sunlight. And that's the way the valley of the shadow of death can feel sometimes. Sometimes we get locked in darkness. We get depressed, we get discouraged, we get down, and we get through this valley of the shadow of death. But remember, shadows have no substance. They're not real. And the Bible says here, it's just a shadow of darkness. Um, I love playing for the first time. You you remember playing shadow tag with a child for the very first time? And the way they get enamored with their shadows? But the shadows are fleeting. And we'll, sometime we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but he says, I, the psalmist says, I will fear no evil because my shepherd is there with me. Sheep don't get afraid when their shepherd is there. 
I watched these sheep one day that I did this, and I watched them, little kids, five or six years old, and they trusted them completely. All they had to do was shake the feed bucket or talk kind to them, and the sheep followed them right along. They don't get afraid when the shepherd is with them. I will fear no evil, because God's rod for protection and discipline, and God's staff for comfort and rescue. He carries those things through the valley of the shadow of death with us. Thank God that he protects us through the valley of the shadow of death. Even during that time, we go back to the picture of provision, which was our first point today, that the shepherd provides provision, because it says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. I love that picture. Think about verse 5 for a second, okay? You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You realize what that's saying? Think about it for a minute. It says that God provides a dinner table in the middle of the battle. You know how most soldiers eat? Back when I was young, when we did military exercises, we had these things called K-rations, or sometimes they were called C-rations. And they were some of the nastiest stuff you could ever imagine. It wasn't designed to sit down and have a proper meal. They were designed that you could you could and I love the new I love the new um, food packs they have now because you can heat your food up just by crunching the package. It's really cool. But anyway, it's not designed to sit around a fire. It's designed it's, it's designed to grab your food while you can and keep moving. That's what God wants to provide, but He wants us to provide a time of comfort. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He'll meet my needs. He'll take care of me. And I can do it in comfort. I remember, and we don't do this much anymore. We've moved on a bit and people have gotten their own lives and their own homes and stuff. And um, I remember three or four years ago, our Sunday afternoon Sunday dinners, we'd have as many people packed in this house as we could. And it was fun. We relaxed we loved each other. Nobody had to have any barriers up. We just loved each other. And I'm about to get teary-eyed here because um, with the situation we're in right now, we don't even have anything like that at all. At least we get to normally have dinner with Jay and Holly and the kids and maybe somebody else coming in um, to visit us. I love those times, even today. But now, uh, don't get me wrong, I love my wife from the very bottom of my soul. I have for 40-some years... I love her more and more. No, she's not boring. (laughs) Sorry about that. I saw her hand signal though in there. But, you know, we love being together. We love having our meals together. We eat together every day. But having the banter, that's what Jesus is talking here. The Lord prepares, prepares a feast for me in the middle of my enemies. We're not supposed to be living in this, oh me, oh my, I'm just going to, how am I going to get through this? No, there's time of feasting during during deprivation, during struggles. We can sit down safely. In the presence of our enemies, we can have a meal together. And not just a snack, not just a takeaway, but a real sit-down dinner in the presence of our enemies. Including Satan, who's walking around seeking who he may devour. 
Man, it's a blessing. I could go on about this forever. This is so exciting. <laughs> but then he says he provides abundance. He anoints our heads with oil. He takes care of our wounds. He takes care of, of the needs that we have. We get hurt. He provides for us. This is a, the oil being used here is a healing oil. And even when we get hurt, we can go to Jesus and he takes care of the hurts that we're going through. He anoints my heads with oil. And this anointing of, with oil is not just a healing remedy. It's the thing that keeps the pest away. If we'll let him, I believe with all my heart here, okay? I believe with all my heart that if we'll let him do it, this means he will keep away the things that bug us. Isn't that cool? We don't have to have those little petty niggly. You don't have the little niggly things getting in your head, this and that, and you're, this bothersome, and then that leads to this one, and they're dreadful. But Jesus says he anoints our head with oil to keep us from having to deal with that. Then it says, my cup runs over. I, I've sadly sometimes I say we're getting along through this thing. We're at five weeks now, and yeah, we're getting along one day at a time, one foot before the other. But the Bible says here that He wants our cups to be running over. Jesus said, "I came to give life, and that you might have it abundantly." We have a chance for abundant Christian living right now. You say, Roger, that's crazy. We're locked up at home. But my goodness, what a time to spend with prayer and reading the Word and fellowship with your family and um, phone calls and Zoom chats and whatever else you might do. Our lives need to be abundant because in the midst of all this struggle, we have spiritual abundance. And that ought to be so obvious to people that we contact, to our friends. We ought to be constantly lifting each other up. Goodness. God wants us to live in abundance. And one last thing he says here. He says that the good shepherd preserves his sheep. He leads us, he feeds us during the time of trouble, and the good shepherd um, meets the preserves his sheep. Verse six and seven, or verse six, I guess. I don't know. There's no verse seven. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The good shepherd preserves us during difficult times. He says he wants to pour out goodness and mercy on our lives. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Guys, this this psalm, when I realized that the reading was on Psalm 23 today, I knew there was no place else I could go to share the word today than here. He preserves. He takes care of us. He'll provide goodness and mercy. It doesn't say he's going to take trouble away. Does it say a word there about giving us taking the trouble away? No. He said above about going through the valley of the shadow of death. So we're, we're going to live through valleys. We're going to live in the shadows. <coughs> but we can be assured that God's goodness and God's mercy will carry us through. There's a permanence about that. The reading says in Lamentation that to the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Great is thy faithfulness. Your mercies are poured out every morning. And we have the confidence that he'll preserve us. You know, I, I want to go back. I want to finish back a little bit further beyond what Mary read this morning. I want to go back to John chapter 10, verse 27 through 29. that says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. question is, what are we following right now? Are we following the media? Are we following all the worldly hype? Are we following Christ? And I give them, and here's the part that applies to verse 6, I give them eternal life. I give them eternal life. 
and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them, take them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one's able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one, Jesus says. My shepherd has me safe and secure in his hold. His goodness, his mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. And he promises here that we can be assured that those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior are going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because we have the great shepherd who gave his life for his sheep. I'm going to review these real quick. If I can get these back so the kids can see this. Guys, you want to jot these down? Your last chance to make your list of what the good shepherd does for us. And um, we'll look at them one by one. First of all, the good shepherd provides. Okay. Secondly, he satisfies. Thirdly, he gives rest. He leads. He restores. He protects. And He preserves us. Thank God for the blessings of the Good Shepherd. Next week, God willing, we're going to look at Psalm 62, as I thought we were going to go this week. And the whole the theme of the song, Psalm is how to cope through our struggles. Alright, we're going to get the prayer request now. A few of them popped up during this time. Um...